Welcome to the Ag Future Podcast, presented by Alltech. Join us as we explore the future of farming, food, and nutrition. We're entering a new frontier in fish nutrition, and among those conducting cutting-edge research in the field are Dr. Martin Llewellyn, a research scientist at the University of Glasgow in Scotland, and PhD candidate Raminta Kozlowskaita. Llewellyn, author of over 50 peer-reviewed research articles, has expertise in salmonid parasitology and nutrition. Kozlowskaita's focuses are in the fields of bioengineering and molecular biology, and together they have been working on creating an in vitro system replicating the Atlantic salmon gut. They call it Salmosim, and they're here to talk to us about it. Thank you for joining us. It's nice to be here. Thanks, uh, Thanks for having us on. So what is the problem that you set out to address resulting in the development of Salmosim? So Atlantic salmon uh, are a funny old fish. They're a, they're a carnivore. We don't farm many carnivores. Um, so there's a big problem around sustainability of, of salmon feed as well as, well as its price. Because what you have to do to feed a salmon is you have to go out. Uh, or when, when we first started farming salmon, you have to go out and catch an awful lot of wild fish, grind it up and feed that for salmon. These days, things things are changing quite a lot. We're feeding new feeds to salmon all the time with a focus on insect-based, plant-based um, feeds, including things like soy and gluten, protein. And what this means is we're basically challenging the salmon gut every time with, with, with things it's not entirely used to. And there, there's so many different feed additives and different protein sources out there on the market that there's an awful lot of in vivo testing. That means testing of, 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 of salmon to see what they're happiest on, what they're healthiest on, what they grow best on. Uh, and essentially, we've built this system to act as a kind of pre-screening tool uh, because these trials are really expensive and there aren't many places to do them. So it's a massive bottleneck. Um, so you're looking at you know, estimates for a single trial of around 150,000 UK pounds, maybe $200,000, just to, just to try a couple of different ingredients in a seed cage to see whether your, you know, your fish are going to perform well on your feed. So what we've developed the system for, as well as to do pure science, because we, we're, we're from the University of Glasgow, we're not, um, we're not strictly a kind of commercial entity. Um, but as well as doing pure science, we'd like this system to be a, a useful way for people to triage or pre-screen, you know, so say come with 10 different alternatives um, or 10 different ingredients and be able to narrow that down to two that then take on um, to, to, to a, a trial in real salmon and, and reduce the cost of the whole process of getting from these new feed ingredients, new additives that people dream up in the lab, um, all the way through to, to having the right feeds to, to, to you know, bring up healthy, happy, um, productive fish. What, what are you seeing in, in terms of cost savings? At this stage, we're, we're right at the beginning. So we, we know that we could do it substantially under, under the cost of, um, of uh, a, a current feed trial. But while ours doesn't completely replace a, a feed trial in vivo, um, so we so it's 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 something it's one of these things that kind of like for like um, cost saving. It's, it's hard to estimate that, but I mean I yeah I, I don't want to I, I don't quite know what that is at this stage, um, but it's likely to be very substantial just because um, just the cost of what what we need to do in the lab is just a really a tiny fraction of the cost of, of of what people have to pay for these in vivo trials. This technology is created in vitro. Uh, do you want to tell us more? Raminta, you want to talk about that? Yeah. So what we do, we literally just transfer all the salmon gut in, inside the lab. 
So we have three bioreactors that represent three different salmon gut uh, pieces, stomach, pyloric cecum, and midgut. So it's similar to us humans, like small intestine, uh, stomach, small intestine, and large intestine. So what we do, we literally just take bacteria from these three different gut compartments and transfer them into three bioreactors or jars. And then we set the right conditions and we get it running. I was going to ask you what it looks like in the lab, but I guess you just described that. Yeah. So it's just literally we have a feed bottle, we have three bioreactors, and then we have waste and it's continuously going. In other words, we just use salmon to produce really expensive salmon poo. Okay. If uh, you could kind of expand on that and give us an idea of how, in a a practical sense, how this tool is used. So um, I'll first tell you what a bioreactor is as well. So a Mm bioreactor is is like a a, a very fancy um, fermentation vessel. And a lot of the people who we work with at the University of Glasgow work on anaerobic digestion of, of food waste. And all a stomach is, essentially, is an anaerobic digestion tool. So we've taken that same technology of these, these closed units where you can change the pH, monitor the pH, change the temperature, monitor the, the temperature. Um, we're putting in enzymes directly extracted from salmon. Uh, obviously, we're putting in the microbial communities, uh, the, the bacteria, as, as, as Raminta says. Um, and, um, and what we would, what we would do when we get a, when we get a new feed, what we tend to do is stabilize the system on, on, on a, on a, on a feed, um, that, well, our kind of control feed and then change the feed and then essentially begin to introduce that into the system, which is essentially a question of grinding it up, feeding it through the pipes and beginning to take it into this, this, this three compartment model. Um, so it'll go into the stomach, it'll, 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 it'll be exposed to these different pHs, enzymes, and then it'll get uh, transferred into the, into the pyloric cecum. Again, there'll be a d- different pH, different enzymes it's getting exposed to, also the, the, the microbes as well. And then moving on to the, to the mid-gut, um, it'll get exposed there. So if you know, if we were looking at drug stability, so let's let's say we were taking one of these sea lice drugs, uh, and quite often um, some of them are in feed, some of them aren't in feed. But with an in feed one, you want to you absolutely want to make sure it's not getting released in the stomach. So there's very little absorption that happens in the stomach in Atlantic salmon. Most of the absorption happens in the pyloric cecum. But if your um, if your capsules, if you like, if your microcapsules you've absorbed your drug onto are releasing all their drug. In, and the drug's potentially getting degraded inside your stomach compartment, then it's really, you're, you're losing a lot of efficacy um, with the delivery of your drug dose. So what you want to do is make sure that the highest pharmacological, pharmacologically relevant concentrations of the drug are in the pyloric cecum. So again, we could take various different combinations of the drug, maybe try them alongside different kinds of feeds, for example, and see which feed combination um, or, or encapsulation combination delivers the best dose of drug to where we wanted to get it to. So that's, I guess, an example of how. And so that would, that's the ultimate holy grail that you're going for? No, we, we look at the digestibility, hopefully, mm-hmm. as well, at probiotic survival in different gut compartments and how do we affect bacterial communities. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, VFA analysis. Yeah. And essentially anything that you want to do to a real fish, we can give you a uh, a sort of an early an early warning system to, to 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 sort of you know rank the different possibilities in order of their likely efficacy in an in vivo model. How could a greater understanding of these processes reveal pathways to improve growth efficiency of fish fed on plant-based diets? Lots of different ways. 
Um, the first and most obvious way is, I think, probably digestibility. Yep. Um, so just how how readily are you know large complex um, organic molecules like proteins broken down into you know smaller organic molecules uh, like amino acids, um, and then presumably absorbed by the fish. Uh, the slightly further down the line, things are, are the impact on the microbiome. So at the moment, we could detect whether there was a significant perturbation in the microbial communities by bringing in a sort of a plant-based feed. Um, the science is less developed there, but a large, if you know, if you're shifting your microbial communities away from sort of a stable, potentially complex microbial community to one microbial community dominated by a small number of microorganisms, that's normally a bit of a red flag. Those types of communities are normally more easily invaded by pathogens, for example. So there's also other things beyond digestibility related to the, the microbial composition of the gut that I think we can predict with our, our system in, in relation to what happens if you feed them on a, on a soy meal-based feed. I mean, for certainly for yeah. plant, plant protein, that's the main thing. So. For feed, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, Altec, uh, as a leading agricultural biotechnology company, has been making important inroads into the aquafeed sector. Uh, what is the company's connection with this research that you're conducting? Uh, so um, we were dreaming this idea up about three years ago. And um, there's a guy called uh, John Sweetman um, mm -hmm. and someone else called Philip Lyons. Right. Um, and uh, these guys have both been working in aquaculture for a long time. And I was interested in this initially as a tool to understand what are the ecological processes that underpin microbial community assembly? So why are microbiomes like what they are from a pure academic perspective? But talking to these guys and actually this, this kind of conference where industry and academia are brought together and you get these kind of lovely kind of link-ups and explosive, potentially explosive, disruptive combinations. Uh, then we got to talking about this. They were enthused you know, they saw potentially some of the early promise for some of the applications I've just described to you. And so Alltech very kindly funded a PhD student, and that's Reminta. Ah. Um, so, uh, so, yeah, so Alltech have been really a major, a major catalyst for actually getting this idea off the drawing board um, uh, in, into reality. And Reminta's the person who's actually you know, then actually made that reality happen, which is, you know, I, I was kind of, I never believe we'd get as far as we, we have today. So that's, um, it's <laughs> yeah. all Reminta's hard yeah. work. I'm really interested in something you just said too about, about this conference and mm. how it brings together industry and academia. Have you seen sparks fly this time? Yes. Um, I, I mean, certainly I've, I've, I've had some interesting conversations um, uh, around the place and, uh, and, and, and you can see interesting conversations are, are being had, I think, across all different sectors. I'm really pleased to see there's, there's increasing people talking about sustainability um, in, 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 uh, in um, uh, livestock production. That's all the way from, from aquaculture to, um, you know, to, to chickens and beef, et cetera, et cetera. I'm particularly impressed by, by, by how, how far and how much industry is recognizing that as important within aquaculture sessions. So I, I sit within my aquaculture sessions, having sat in a few other sessions, and I really think we in aqua, I don't want to blow our trumpet too much, but we're really thinking about 
is what we're doing sustainable? You know, we've got these brilliant fee conversion ratios compared to huge amounts of other, you know, we're, we're down at FCRs of, of you know, 0.8, whereas, you know, poultry, I don't know, but they're around three, you know, and, and we're talking about ingredients. Where are they coming from? We can't rely on marine protein. So, you know, there's a real kind of environmental responsibility, I think, um, that is that is there in the, in the aqua, aqua sessions. And I really hope it's sort of building in the other sessions too. So, um yeah. So, and I, yeah, I think so. There's, there's been lots of really good open discussion around that here, which is which has been really encouraging. I think. Yeah, I, th- I think it's safe to say that uh, sustainability has become quickly become something of a watchword or a guide star for for Dr. Mark Lyons. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. Uh, what's beyond this research? Are there uses for this technology in other species? Do you think? Yeah. Definitely. It's just time to validate and to see what is happening inside of a salmosim or other species cat are representative of what this happens in real in, in real fish so just time and money yeah mm-hmm. but it's definitely definitely possible yeah so we're taking about two years to get this far with 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 Atlantic Sam. salmon but we've learned an awful lot along the way no. so I do think it is transferable but like Raminta says it, it just takes time it takes time yeah. Mm-hmm. So, and you know, resources. Yeah. yeah. You could apply it to tilapia, you could apply and it to, to trout. Trout, oh. you could but just bit bit of time, bit of resource and demand, really. Dr. Martin Llewellyn, a research scientist at the University of Glasgow in Scotland, and PhD candidate Raminta Kozlskaita. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Ag Future Podcast, presented by Alltech. For show notes and more episodes, visit alltech.com forward slash ag future.